will organizations handle identities and access management in the future? Dobby Ottenheimer of EMC says mobile BYOD and IPv6 are rapidly changing the way businesses and organizations will manage so-called trusted identities. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Dobby, you deal with messaging around trust at EMC. Can you define what trust actually is? Yes. Trust is really twofold. I like to say that it's about providing a service as well as consuming a service. Now, those are loaded terms, but for the sake of argument, you're either trusting someone or someone is trusting you. And you're doing that by providing things like authenticity. So they know they can rely on you for availability. They can rely on you for protecting their assets and so forth. There are many levels, but being able to provide some level of service or being able to consume some service and feel like you can trust it is what it's about. And so, Dobby, how does trust impact identity management as well as the way organizations authenticate their employees? Impacts it greatly. I mean, impersonation, I've already mentioned, is a, a cornerstone of trust. So you want to make sure that the person you're working with or the service or organization across all levels of spheres, you want to make sure that you can rely on it as being authentic. And so it goes back to some of the core security notions, right? You have uh, identity that you use, and that has to be something that you can authenticate. And then you authorize that person or that group or entity across different levels. So trust is really the cornerstone or the key foundation for how we're going to manage security going forward in this world of expanding data and expanding users. And are there variations when it comes to how we define trust or how we handle identity management based on industry? Industries differ by region, geographic region, by political influence, so many different overlapping layers. It's a very complex Venn diagram. So, for example, you can have an industry that relies on one identifier in one market, and then in another market, the same industry will use a different identifier. One of the things that's happening, for example, is people are getting sophisticated in how they replace our identifiers. So we might think of something as constants, and we're used to it, and then someone figures out a way to remove that, it's actually a variable, and then we're confused or we're fooled into believing something is real when it's actually been just changed. Now, you and I have spoken before, Davi, and you've noted the emergence of bring-your-own-device policies and practices as being those that are really changing the way organizations handle ID and access management. How are those policies changing, IAM? The big difference is that bring your own device, by definition, the title itself is your own. So you have an identity attached to a device which is different than the one you might have had if it had been issued to you, which would have been the identity of the issuer. So you're introducing now a relationship, and that is even more complicated when each individual has multiple identities. They have a relationship with their family. They have a relationship with a sports team, with um, other groups, volunteer groups that they work with. So Bring Your Own Device introduces a device with multiple identities outside the sphere of the identity that would be a primary relationship in the old model. And then what about IPv6? How will this new version of Internet Protocol standards impact identity as well as IAM? The foundation of IPv6 is that it's larger. It's giving us many, many more addresses because we were running out of addresses with IPv4. So on the face value side of things, you can say, okay, we have so many more addresses, why not just permanently assign an identity to everything? We have so many. And that's kind of the mindset. And from the networking perspective, you used to be very conservative. Uh, There's actually this whole exercise of conservation. And that's gone with the 
abundance of addresses in IPv6. However, security is always about conservation and not just because of a risk of running out of resources, but also because you may not want to share certain amounts of information for reasons of confidentiality or for other reasons, availability or integrity. It actually can make more sense to expire an address so you're not permanently attached to something that you no longer have a relationship with, and that's a different mindset. So IPv6, while solving the problem of space, it gives us thousands and well, technically tens of millions of new addresses, does not automatically mean that you should have an identity that can never be removed or never be expired. The protocol does allow for them to be changed and moved, so it's not as though it's too rigid, but it definitely does raise different architecture concerns for someone who's building, and they're not interoperable. You're shifting from IPv4 to IPv6, so when you're planning it, you should be thinking about security as well as simple resource exhaustion. You should be thinking about how you may want to change identities later. And perfect examples of this are the witness protection program in real life. You know, even if you have an identity that you think is completely impossible to change, we have ways as a society to alter those identities for extreme reasons. And it should be no different when we get into the network world. There are things we will want to hide for whatever reason, and we should think about it in those terms as well. Well, Davi, based on what you've just said, it sounds like, or it should be an assumption that IPv6 will open the internet to more risk. But what about the concern where it relates to destructive attacks? Is there a heightened worry that destructive attacks could increase in IPv6? Well, I think that's always a worry. I mean, there's the naysayers who say whenever you connect more devices, you expose yourself to more risk. The larger the attack surface, the more dangerous the world becomes. But I'm not sure that's an automatic assumption. I I really think we should be careful because in an IPv6 world, there's an opportunity for us to move to the concept of tighter controls, hardened controls, perimeters that are more adaptive, intelligent, and risk-based. So in other words, in a BYOD scenario, a perimeter might be formed around the data on a device for a specific identity, and there may be thousands of identities, and there may be relationships between those identities. So all of that means we're getting more information about more devices that's more accurate and allows us to be in a sense, building less expensive, more appropriate controls than before where we had antiquated controls that were very large and very expensive but weren't able to keep up with what was really going on. In other words, we might have had confidence in our old castle walls and the stones that we were putting in them, but we couldn't really build them fast enough or cheaply enough to actually protect ourselves against the known threats. So in today's world, what that means is we could be more secure by being able to identify threats sooner and respond faster than we were in the old world, where by the time we figured out what had happened, they had already taken all of our assets and left. So there's a good chance that we can be more secure if we design the world right with the IPv6 uh, and the addressing that it provides us. And so, Davi, what should organizations be doing now to prepare for IPv6? There are several things. I mean, just two or three main things to prepare for are, first of all, security is built in. So there's an opportunity to look at IPsec, for example, something which you didn't have in IPv4. You can really architect your communications and your identities around security from the very beginning. Another thing to consider is that it's a complete switch. It's not really IPv4 enhanced or a transition to IPv6. It's really a completely new architecture. So you have to think about where there might be weaknesses that you would run into that would limit your functionality or make you blind. Those are two main points to really consider. And then the third is, of course, again, this resourcing. You know, once you move into this world of addressing everything permanently and in the open, 
how do you have to think about things differently? Should you put security controls and do you have the ability to put controls much more tightly on each device and let it be roaming in the, the public space as opposed to creating somewhat private spaces like in the old NAT architectures where you didn't want people to know about addresses and once they found them out, then you had to change how you did things. So architectures are completely different and how you place your security controls will be completely different when you look at a, a world of IPv6. Those are three big things to think about. So Dobby, as organizations lay out their plans for IPv6, how can they know if they're on the right path or not? Well, they know they're on the right path because you're really doing the implementation properly. And I mean, I know that may be a tautology, but what you're doing is you're building a new architecture. And so it's not like you're saying one vehicle is more secure than another vehicle, but rather that the way that you drive that vehicle is secure. So you know you're on the right path with IPv6 when you think about addressing every device uniquely, but also maintaining the ability to change address. And you also know that you're on the right path when you are using IPv6 in this whole concept of inexhaustible space to protect each device as though it were in a hostile environment all the time. You don't use a large perimeter as uh, an excuse for leaving a device weakened or insecure. Instead, you treat every device as though it could potentially be on the larger network and be attacked at any time by threats. So your defense and depth methodology will shift to where you can support every device uniquely and for its needs relative to its value and not have defense in depth more like an onion with layers, things in the middle being the most secure. Davi, when can we expect to see this move to IPv6? That is a question that's been asked of me for at least 10 years, <laughs> maybe maybe longer. And, you know, I'm not a betting man on it, but I, I think that the move will come when people feel that they can trust IPv6 with their business. And that's a business decision more than a technology one. So it takes two to tango, and the more people that move in the general direction, the more we'll see, it's probably an exponential effect, but once a critical mass happens and all the providers are moving that way and people feel comfortable that they can trust, their business won't be interrupted, they'll have availability and they'll have the confidentiality and security they need, you'll see that mass migration. Until then, it really is an either or and people are still feeling more comfortable with where they've been as opposed to seeing the advantages of where they're going to go. And then Davi, before we close, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to offer? Well, it's an exciting time, really, when you think about the growth of the planet, because we have so much more data and we have so many more devices, the Internet of Things, some people call it, and the big data uh, together. And IPv6 is really the obvious uh, piece of the solution that we need to move towards for networking, because it's the only way we're going to be able to keep up and design better solutions. So although it's scary, although there's reasons to fear, these new technologies, I think the faster we move into them and understand them and work with them, the stronger our trust will be because we'll iron out the problems before it's too late. Before there's so much data and so many devices, it's untenable and we've left ourselves with a, a timeline that we can't possibly meet. So sooner the better. Dobby, I'd like to thank you again for your time this afternoon. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Dobby Ottenheimer of EMC. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.